0: Every now and then, what I'm about to share with you guys, it has this effect on me, just talking about the kingdom of God. But it's like every now and then, it's like uh I call it stepping into the zone, but it's like when you step into the zone with Jesus and into the kingdom, it's like anything is possible. And I just have had that sense a couple times this week. I was gonna preach a totally different message. I spent Tuesday on it, and then I got to the end. I was telling Pam this morning, I, I got to the end of Tuesday and felt like the Lord said, Eh, you know, you need to do this thing about the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom. And uh, for those of you who've been around a while, you know that's a big part of who we are. And so how can I talk about the good life and the best life that God has for us without really just bringing a word in the midst of this series on uh, the, the good news as it really is. So um, Mark chapter one, verse one would be a great place for us to kind of kick off from here today. Uh, Mark 1, verse 1 says, in the beginning of the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I'll, I'll read in the next couple of verses as well. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for Him. And so the whole Idea. the whole genesis of this uh, series started. It was coming out of a uh, little sabbatical time I had, and I felt like the Lord was leading me and wanting to preach about coming back to the basics. And so this is kind of another back to the basics kind of message. And how many of you guys uh, were here when John Brown used to come? So this is going to be old timers. Oh, yeah. So John Brown, one of my mentors in the Lord, lives over in Atlanta, and uh, he he would come for years, and he'd teach us about the Spirit and the kingdom and Jesus and the church and stuff like that. And uh, on two different trips, he had this same word, and it really emphasized this for us. He said, the Lord has shown me by revelation that Christ's fellowship is supposed to be a light and a beacon for the gospel of the kingdom. And I was like, well, okay, that's a, great. I didn't fully understand what that meant. But then he comes back on another trip, And he said, again, the Lord showed me, he said, he wants you to hear this, that he wants you guys to be a light and a beacon, a shining light for the gospel of the kingdom. And so, you know, some of the ways, you hear me say this in so many different ways, but the gospel of the kingdom is different than just, hey, you can get into heaven when you die, but you actually leave one kingdom, the kingdom of Satan and darkness, and you come into the kingdom of light and Jesus, where he reigns, you you leave this old place of death and come into this place of life. You leave this place where you had many treasures and you come into this place where Jesus is the first and primary treasure in all of life every day for the rest of your life. Isn't that good news? And so, you know, down through the years I would ask people, you know, just to, you know, hey, when did Jesus become your treasure? You know, so because, you know, around here it's like you need some more language in America to talk about Jesus because everybody's Everybody's a Christian. Everybody just kind of, you know, I drive past the church. I'm a Christian. You know, that that kind of that kind of vibe. So it, it means different things for different people. The gospel, and here's where I want to go today. I just had a reminder pop up on my. I don't. You might. This this is just a little practical into my life. It says turn to Jesus. I build those things in. So that's just a has nothing. To, well, it has a lot to do with the message actually. <laughs> So the word gospel is the Greek word euangelion, euangelion, which everybody may want to write that down or not, but it's the Greek word euangelion, and it is an announcement about a king. That's what the word means. It's an announcement. It's like good news, like here's the announcement about the king, and it was used in history, in secular history, just to talk about Roman emperors, uh, 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 Caesars, Roman kings, and uh, different kinds of announcements. There's even a... A plaque somewhere about Augustus in there, just in, in antiquity. You know, they, this an announcement about Augustus and his birthday, or Augustus is, is now reigning, those kinds of things. That's what that announcement means. And so when I say good news, I want to really be clear today, and I've got some burden in my heart about this message. I want to be clear, when we say good news, it should hit us as good news. Like good news, not like well, hey, here's some things you might consider and, and if you work through this, you might one day consider going to heaven and, and that, that's the advice part that follows the good news. But the good news is just an announcement. And this is where it's, I want this to hit us, the good news is the announcement that Jesus Christ is the King. In his life, ministry, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension to the right hand of the Father, he has inaugurated something that is go- has started and it's never going to stop. His reign is changing everything that's the announcement. Now you can do whatever you want to do with that to some people it's foolishness to some people it's a scandal, you know, but that is the news and i 'm going to just kind of keep unpacking that this. This morning, you know, it's like when World War II was over, there was an announcement the war is over, and people responded in a certain way that it was news and it had long range effects in Europe and around the world. Right? They made the announcement the war is over, the Allies have won the war, and now there's all these implications ticker tape parade, New York City, all that kind of stuff, sailors kissing girls. You know, that's what I've I wasn't around, but those are Life Magazine. Vietnam War ends. The announcement comes. The Vietnam War is over. Different kind of response, right? It's a different kind of story at that point in time. Where you're at in the story makes all the difference in the world. And how you understand that story makes all the difference in the world. It really does. Um, One of my favorite preachers theologian, guys, is a guy named Dr. N.T. Wright. Probably six, six of you guys have heard of him. <laughs> He's an English guy, and, uh, and we've emailed. I <laughs> thought I'd throw that out there. <laughs> this is totally an aside, but I, I had emailed him. so I was just like so full of thankfulness, and I just I looked his email up at St. Andrews, and over in England, and and uh, just just said, man, you've had such a great impact on our lives and stuff, and blah blah blah, and all this. Just want to say thanks, and God bless you. And that afternoon, so I wrote him on Sunday morning, that afternoon I got an email back from Tom Wright. You know, I went running into Matthew and and uh, and, and Kim, and uh, said, so I got it. I'm friends with Tom Wright. <laughs> so anyway, little. Theological hero worship there, but uh, so N.T. Wright tells this story. He was in uh, he was in Atlanta one time for a conference, and he's a major rugby fan. So England rugby, all that stuff. It's not a big deal here. All I think of is crooked noses and stuff like that, and uh, kind of bloody. Give blood, play rugby. Those old bumper stickers. But uh, he's a major rugby fan, and he, he's he, uh, early in the morning. The the England has made it through the World Cup, all through the playoffs. And they are playing Australia in the finals, down in Australia. So it's way ahead in time. He calls because nothing's on American TV. He can't find anything about the rugby thing. Calls his daughter, who's also a major fan, back in England and, and says, what's going on? And she says, it's just, it's tied up in regulation. It's going to overtime. So he had to hang up, wait a little bit, calls her back. She's screaming on the other end of the phone, England has won. England has won. That's the news, by the way. And it, because Australia had always been the world power in rugby. So England is won. England is won. And he's like, oh, this is incredible. Hangs up and he goes down to the lobby at the hotel and there's the concierge there. There's a few people rummaging rum- around. It's 5 a.m. in the morning and he's looking at everybody's like going, none of these people want to hear this news he goes out on the street there's some joggers but nobody nobody cares and it wasn't until later in the day that he finally found an australian guy and he tells him the news and the guy goes no no you know it wasn't good news to him at all it was a scandal its foolishness to the americans and it's a scandal to the australians ah you know and that's kind of like the news that we share about jesus in the gospel you know, it's good news. It really, really is good news. I mean, it's kind of news where you ought to be able to go running into the building and go, hey, have you heard? That's what gospel means. Hey, have you heard? And it's going to hit people in different ways. And part of our journey is to figure out how do we explain this in ways to meet people where they're at. We share this news, but then it has an impact in their lives. Forgiveness, healing, Freedom, all these different kinds of things. John used to say it this way. He would say, you know, Jamie, the gospel of the forgiveness of sins is awesome good news, but it's one apple in the bushel of the gospel of the kingdom, which has many good newses in it. Healing, forgiveness, deliverance, freedom, right relationships, knowing God forever, making things right in the world. All of these You know, big, gigantic bushel of of good newses, apples, you know, in there. Everybody tracking on that? (sighs) Okay. So what we want to do is today re-up on this connection, re-up on the connection to the good news being a part of the best life and that Jesus being the king has incredible implications for our lives. And it's something to be excited about for my life, for my life with my wife and my family, my life group, my kids, my work, my marriage, all these different expanding circles out that's going to touch everything. I mean, it's ultimately, what we're going to talk about is the fact that God wants to redeem everything, not just take floating souls up to heaven. He actually is going to raise us from the dead to live on a new heavens, new earth, uh, re-restored earth the way things ought to be. And I know I say that, you know, and I, I'll go to training schools even and I'll say that and, and I'm preaching 1 Corinthians 15. It's like, if we don't believe in the resurrection from the dead, we're to be pitied. You know, and everybody needs to hear this. We're going to be raised from the dead bodily. We're not just going to be floating around you know, on harps. You know, it's, it's like new heavens, new earth. This is going to be Awesome. This is the good news. This kingdom that started is going to be fulfilled when Jesus comes again. And we're living in this in-between time now, looking forward to this. The main thing is this. God wants us to hear the good news as a world-changing message that reorients life to the king and his kingdom. Okay? This is what I want to do with life. It's really quiet right now, and I don't understand why, but this is what I want to do with life. I'm I'm thrilled about this. I'm excited about this. It's more than good advice for living. It's more than do these five things and that start with the word P, and then you have a better marriage. It's, it's It's more than that kind of thing. It's more than a plan for living a moral life. Jesus is the King. And he has a plan to make everything right in the world. There is a new way to be human. So it's, it's good news. A couple things about this good news. Number one, write this down. It's news that changes everything. Because this has happened, everything has changed. How many of you guys have heard of Julius Caesar? Okay. A lot. Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar was about to be made king of the Roman Empire, and it had been a republic. And so people didn't want that to happen, and so he was on the Ides of March. And we know all this mainly because of Shakespeare, probably most of us popularly. You know, We're not reading Roman history a bunch, but Shakespeare you know, makes it popular. And on the Ides of March, uh, Julius Caesar is murdered, Et tu brute. And so, yeah. And so, he's taken out, but when he dies, a civil war erupts or breaks out between his son, Octavian, who would later be called Augustus, and Mark Antony of Cleopatra fame, right? So you've got these two guys, they're fighting it out, and everybody's aligning around these two big major leaders, and they ultimately have a deciding battle on the coast off of Greece and a battle. It's on, it's on ships. It's where the battle's decided, and Octavian beats Mark Antony. Mark Antony flees with Cleopatra. They go back to Egypt where they eventually commit suicide together, okay? But the news goes around the empire that Octavian is going to be the new king, and that's the go- that, that gospel That good news goes out, Octavian's going to be king. Now, it took him two years to get from the battle back to Rome. But in that time, everything was changing. He's coming back to Rome, but everything has changed. And we're kind of living in that time right now. The the news is out there, and he's coming back again, and we need to reorient life to the new reality. Make sense? Okay. Okay. So Mark chapter one. Let's just look at a bunch of scripture here. Walk us. I'm going to walk us through this. Mark one verse one. This is the beginning of the gospel, the evangelion about Jesus, the good news announcement about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So, so Caesar Augustus. But he's still he's he's still reigning at that time, right? Is Augustus still the king at at the time of of his birth? Yeah. Yeah, so, okay, so think about this. This, this gospel was written later, but, but Augustus is literally the, the king when this kind of announcement was actually being lived out. This is the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So this, and this was actually, uh, Mark, we went through this whole letter a few years ago, and this whole letter was written into a Roman context, so this verse, this opening verse, is terribly subversive. you going into the place where the Roman Empire is big time, and it's saying this is the beginning of the good news about a king named Jesus Christ. That last part of Jesus Christ means Messiah or, or king. Jesus the king, who is the son of God. Um, so Augustus, after Caesar dies, Caesar's proclaimed divine. Augustus becomes the Son of a God. So here it is. This is the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Christ, the King, who is the Son of God. There's a whole new order that is coming about. In fact, if you read the next verse there, it says it is is, uh, written in Isaiah the prophet, which is actually the second part of the verse. The first part of the verse, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare the way, is actually a quote from, if you turn the pages back just a little bit, Malachi chapter three, verse one, where it says, see, I will prepare my, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord that you are seeking will come to his temple. Now, I love that. So right, just built into that too is this expectation that Yahweh, that the the great God of the Israelites is actually gonna come somehow, they don't understand, but he's gonna come somehow to the temple. We know that that's exactly how Jesus perceives himself and what he does in acting out all that he does in the temple later. So, the rest of Mark then is this kind of unpacking of Jesus the King. So, he goes out and he starts preaching this message in chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. The time has come, the kingdom of God is near repent and believe the good news so here's the preaching this is the message that jesus preached everybody tracking with me still this is what what did jesus preach the kingdom is near repent get in line with this this new kingdom that's the message so that's that's different than some of the advice versions that we give but i'm just saying this is still valid for us to preach the gospel this way we can help people we can give advice and all those kinds of things about helping people into a relationship but this is the news the kingdom has come the kingdom is here get in line with it because it's real it's reality we don't change it it's happening okay so that's it's the way it is and he goes on and he shows us what this what living in this kingdom looks like people being healed people with leprosy being healed, people have demons, the power of God coming and casting those demons out, the enemy being cast out of places where he's uh, dehumanizing and dragging people down into death and just something so less than the humanity that God created us to live in and to be a part of. And so Jesus lives his life. He ultimately goes to the cross. He's raised again. The resurrection, you know, then becomes the the uh, the exclamation point on every message that's preached in the New Testament. They're preaching this. They're saying Jesus came. He lived this life. He's God. He emptied himself, became one of us. He lived this life. He was crucified, buried on the third day, raised by the power of God, ascended to the right hand of the Father. And this message is true. This message is true. And so Jesus taught his disciples, go out and preach the kingdom of God. Luke chapter nine, verse two, go out and but well, I'm sending you out, and this is what I want you to say. Preach the kingdom of God. And we're going to look at a few verses in the book of Acts. I wrote some of those down so that you can you know, go back through it yourself and, and check it out. But what happens next is the whole book of Acts is basically the recounting and the telling of the story of Jesus and the proclaiming of the gospel, the good news about the kingdom of God. So Jesus comes. He uh, uh raised from the dead. He appears to the disciples, Acts 1-3. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and did what? Spoke to them about the kingdom of God. Well, three verses later in Acts one six, they say, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he's like, oh, wow. You know, are you going to take over military might? And like, oh man, they don't get it yet. But he sends them out. He sends them out and they proclaim this message over and over. Acts 2, uh, the Holy Spirit comes, baptism. Peter stands up to all the people and he preaches the gospel and he says to them at the climactic moment, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. There it is. He's the king. This is, everything's changed. Ah, what, you know, what do we do? Repent. Get in line with this message. Get in line with this thing be baptized, receive the Holy Spirit, be empowered for going and living in this kingdom. It's good news. It's awesome. So Acts, the, uh, the gospel then goes to the next level. Acts chapter 8, verse 12. This is when the gospel's going into Samaria. Philip, as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus, they were baptized, men and women. Acts chapter, going to the Gentiles now. Acts chapter 17. I'm going to try to find this one because this is interesting. I love this particular passage. Acts 17, verses 6 and 7. They're in Thessalonica. They've gone in. Paul and some of the disciples have gone in. They're preaching. And you know what happens? A riot. There are people freaking out. There's a riot going on. Everybody's ticked off. Paul and disciples get out of town, but the riot guys capture Jason, whose house they were staying at, And they drag Jason and these guys in front of the magistrates. And they here's the message, verse six: These men have caused trouble all over the world. In another translation, it says they have turned the world upside down. Okay, so they've gone, they've been all over the world. They're causing trouble all over the world, and now they come here. And Jason welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees. Check it out. And this is the this is what they're understanding. And they are saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. Okay, so that's their understanding of what the disciples are going out preaching. Now, This is important for us to hear this because sometimes we go, wow, king, I don't really relate to that. We've got a president. I mean, you can make a good case that our, you know, like, what about England? Well, our president probably has more power than Queen Elizabeth, really, in terms of moving things around, getting things done, Right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we don't really relate to it. Yes, we're a republic. Yes, we're democratic. Yes, we, we we believe in, but, you know, it's a reality. And the reality is a reign. And the reality is that the way Jesus rules is nothing like how the rulers of the world rule. It's an upside-down kingdom where you lay down your life for others, where you serve, where you give sacrificially, where you go the way of the cross, where you love your enemies, where... You know, And in our next series, we just kind of worked this out on Saturday. We're going to do basic training with Jesus on the Sermon on the Plain. Five messages of training from Jesus about how to live this life that we're talking about. That's where we're going. So Acts 20, verse 25, Paul's just said to the Ephesian elders, they're there at Miletus, they're all crying, they're weeping because they're going to be separated from each other. Paul says, My life's worth nothing to me if I can just preach the gospel, if I can just share this good news. And then in the next verse, he says, I know that none of you, to the Ephesian elders, that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. And again, I I want us to get like, this is what the disciples, this is what Paul the apostle saw himself as doing. I went among you preaching the gospel and preaching about the kingdom of God. So just any place we need to change, reorient, calibrate, get lined up, make it clearer, lift the veil, all that kind of stuff, Lord, help us to do that. How does the book of Acts end? The very last verse, it talks about Paul, and it's kind of an open-ended. Acts 28, verse 31, it's like, wow, what's going to happen next? That's the way Acts ends, right? And so the verse Ends, the whole book ends with boldly and without hindrance, Paul, he, Paul, preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so, you know, if I get very far off of those things, I I need to recalibrate myself. If we get far off those things as a church, we need to recalibrate, right? So then later, it's the year 52 now. It's a big history lesson today, aren't you? Isn't it fun? So Paul's writing back to Corinth, and uh, he's writing to the Corinthians there, and uh, he has this fascinating letter that deals with all kinds of craziness that's going on in the church, he calls them saints, says, Jesus is going to bring to fullness all he started in you, and when he comes again, they're saints, but there's all kinds of sin and weirdness going on in the church but he starts and he ends with these two things. He starts with the cross of Jesus Christ and he ends with the resurrection. Cross and resurrection. And just like we talked about... Or, well, let me just read a verse here because this is, this is significant. The, uh, the passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3-5, through 5, he said, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance. So it's not like this isn't all there is to say, but this is of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And there's the connect to the whole story. According to the Scriptures, And that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Peter. Well, He appeared to Peter after He appeared to the women. I'll throw that in. <laughs> he appeared to Peter and to the twelve and he appeared to more than 500. And then he appeared to James. Then to the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me as one born out of time. So he's making this announcement. And even in the, as he's preaching the beginning of, of, of Corinthians to the, to, uh, he's writing this letter. He says, Look, Greeks, they hear this and it's just, it's foolishness. It's like Americans in rugby. It just doesn't, it just, woo doesn't make sense. And the Jews, they're scandalized by this. This is not what we, this was not what we had planned. We had a a, a king planned. He wasn't going to die on a cross. You know, this is a scandal to us. He says, but this is all true. This is the true message. And the way 1 Corinthians 15 ends, he talks about the resurrection. And then after he talks about the resurrection, he says, and Jesus Christ is going to keep on reigning until everything's under his feet. And then he's going to take everything and hand it to the Father, and then God will be all in all. Okay, so that's that's where this whole big, gigantic thing—it's news—that changes everything. So when we proclaim this news, it's like it's not like, hey, you can—you—it's uh, not uh, where we miss it is when we say, hey, you know, you can uh, go to heaven or you can have a spiritual experience and, and, and your, your life can be better. It's like, yes, all those things are true. It's not untrue. It's just there's something so much more like burst in the door. Have you heard? Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. He started a kingdom that will never, ever end, and it will never, ever stop increasing forever. And so we want to get in line with that. It's news that changes everything. The second piece then is that it's news that affects us between now and then. So we know about the news. We know that it's happened, and, but it's not then. He hasn't come back and made everything right. But in the meantime, he is calling us to live in this now and, and not yet kind of place where it affects us. It affects the way we think, the way we, our emotions, the way we act, the way we live, what, what matters to us, what's important to us. Back to the story of Octavian. So Octavian wins the battle. And hasn't gotten to Rome yet, but Herod, who was king in Judea, hears the news and immediately finds out where Octavian is, and goes to Octavian. Now this is a big deal because Herod had supported Mark Antony, but he hears the news, and it completely changes his orientation. And so he says, "Goes to Octavian, who's going to be Augustus." and he says. As I was loyal to Mark Antony, I want you to know I'm going to be loyal to you. And I submit to you here and now. Octavian hears that, and he allows him to keep on being king back in Judea. So he responds, he changes, and there's that kind of response and change that this news should have on us as well, where we get in line with the king. The kingdom that's now and coming, not yet. We want to live into... The kingdom. The news is here, and it means change, but how does it affect us? Let me just throw a few things out. First of all, it means that there's a new allegiance for us. We talk about this a lot. There's a new allegiance. Like, my first allegiance is to Jesus before anything you could come up with. You know? Like my first political, you guys probably know this by now, you figured me out but my first political allegiance is to Jesus. What am I? I, I'm not as worried about that. Some people are. But my knee is bowed to Jesus Christ. Now, you can interpret that however you want to interpret it. I'm fine. Because my first allegiance is to Jesus. Okay? So it changes things because what it does is it exposes where there's idols in our lives where things rise up and they get bigger than Jesus, Jesus wants to say, I am making things right, but it, there is a requirement. The requirement is bowing our need to Him. And so, it's at one level, the way the Gospel is presented sometimes, it can make following Him sound like an add-on. You know, like Jesus says, come follow me. Like, ah, oh, that's kind of 201, 301. I just want to stick with 101. Does that make sense? You know, and so this isn't a, it's not an optional thing. You know, it's comprehensive what He's done and we could never do it. And our following Him is inside of His done, if that makes sense. But um, But um. But it is a following. And it is a laying down of our life. It is a following Him in the way of the cross. He promised nothing less than that. But it is it's in this upside-down way of living that we actually find out what living is about and what humanity, as it was meant to be, is about. And it's, it's in walking this way. I, you know, I just joyfully, without hindrance, without reservation, want everybody to hear this and to say yes. And so that's right. I want to order my life to this new allegiance, to this adjusting my life so that I'm in line with the kingdom of God the way it is. One day, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Okay? Don't wait. Don't wait. Bow bow the knee now and live in that bowed knee kind of way to Jesus. So it's a new allegiance. It's a new reality. It's like, whoa, like everything's changed. It's a new life. It's new loves, new hopes, new dreams. It's, it's, it's mind-blowing. New pursuits, new priorities. And, you know, it's not just do's and don'ts, although there are do's and don'ts. But let me reframe the do's and don'ts. The do's and don'ts are like it's in line with, the do's are in line with the kingdom. The don'ts are not in line with the kingdom. So you can do the don'ts and you can still be forgiven. You can do the donuts, but you will break yourself against the way of the kingdom. Humanity was not meant to, to be lived outside of the reign of God. And so we, it's like God's not trying to break us. He's, he's saying you will be broken by living in that way. If you hold on to grudges and unforgiveness and stuff, you know it's sin. Yes, I'm going to forgive you, but it's going to hurt you. It's, it's just going gonna, gonna to hurt your life. Judging, you know, getting drunk. All these things that are not in line with the kingdom, they break us, you know, and is there grace? There's grace. But why would you want to live that way? Why would you want to take advantage of the grace? That, do we just keep sinning so that grace... No. Everybody okay? His grace. I just want to... Keep saying, His grace is massive. And it covers all. It covers us. And so you're free to, to live in the way of the kingdom, which is the way that we were meant to live and be truly human and to be conformed to the image of Christ. So there's new allegiance, new, lo- new reality, new possibilities. What will new creation look like? That's why we all, always do the signpost thing. It's like we're looking forward to something that's coming. In this kingdom, we don't just, it's not just whatever. I'm looking forward. I want to express how things ought to be in my marriage. The way I love her, the way I serve her, the way I listen to her. I want to do that, you know, and and the way I treat my kids and the way I live life here with you guys as brothers and sisters in the church life. I want to live as though the way it ought to be is breaking into my life, my thinking, my emotions, my... My, my desires, who I am on the inside. It changes. You know, Jesus teaches what it's going to look like. Forgiveness, love, peace, justice, rightness. He's making things right, so we are called to live lives that make things right. New power is the last one I want to hit there. Holy Spirit power. I can't do this apart from the power of God in my life. But, 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 uh. so this is where I started is like, when I step into this, it's like I start to believe again. When I step into the kingdom, it's like just, a, just this act of faith, like Jesus reigns, and I'm in the middle of what he's doing in my generation, and I'm empowered by his spirit to make a difference. It's like anything starts to be possible in my life and in your life in the life of the church and all that we're called to do in the city. Does it make sense? He brings truth. He brings hope. He brings healing. He brings all the one another's that He calls us to as a church. And after we hear the the news in a fresh way, you know what? It changes everything. Then Jesus, His teaching makes sense. It doesn't make sense if you don't hear that He's the King. He's reigning and He's calling us into a kingdom. His teaching makes sense like, oh yeah, sell everything in order to get this one field that's got the treasure in it. I give it all up. Paul says it's all dung. It's refuse to get this this Jesus and His kingdom. It just all starts to make sense. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all this stuff will be... it'll, It'll fall into place. Seek first the kingdom. See, now it starts to... Ah, okay. Seek first the kingdom. It makes sense. And pray this way. Pray, Father... Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Ah, that's that's the way we're supposed to pray because that totally fits with everything he's saying, living, the message, the good news as it's delivered. And that mustard seed, you know, that thing that started with Jesus and kind of started expanding with Paul and look back in our history and everything that's happened since. And here we are in 2015 and look what's happened around the world. You know, I don't mean the stuff that was done in the name of Jesus that wasn't from the spirit of Jesus at all. But hospitals, lives changed, people served, people having their lives laid down, just laid down for them in order to serve them and lift them up and all that kind of stuff, taking it from one place into a higher place. My burden here this morning has just been to back up a bit and uh, us to hear the good news the good news about Jesus that he came, he lived, he proclaimed the kingdom of God. He was sent to a cross. He died. He was raised on the third day, ascended to the right hand of the Father. This message is true. And this message changes everything. Everything has changed now. And it will never, ever be the same. And the Lord is calling us to see the truth of this. And I've just burst in the door saying, hey, have you heard the good news? This is it. Now, how do we respond? Aligning our lives with Jesus. That's it. That's the good news. That really, it's like, wow, okay, that changes everything. How do we live between now and then? Jesus has brought this kingdom and he's called us to dream the possibilities of life as it should be in his fullness of uh, of reigning in, in our lives and on the earth. May you be forever changed in the hearing of this news. There's something powerful about it. Just in like, I'm gonna do a call here, but I think there's just something about you just say it and like it hits people. Like, wow, I wanna I wanna get in line, I wanna think that way, I wanna dream that way, I wanna live with people that are thinking and dreaming that way. You know, because it changes our priorities and the way we spend our time and money and everything. Let's stand up.